Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting in the safe house on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, man. How are you? Oh, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, uh, a little bit uh, frenzied here getting the show started, uh, running into some, a little bit of technical difficulties, but it uh, should be smooth sailing from, from now on. Here. I noticed lately, the last, as my memory serves, the last four or five shows, you've been saying, good evening, troubled listener. <laughs> I have. You used, to, you used to say troubled listeners. Right, right. So why the change? Well, I actually read somewhere uh, that that someone was making a suggestion that uh, you know you you want to address the the listener as the the individual, and uh, I thought, well, no, I always I always do it as a plural. I've always said uh, 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 greetings, troubled listeners. So uh, I, I thought, well, let me switch it up and 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 go to the other one so I, I did that for a few weeks and i was i would have done it tonight except uh you know in my in my frenzy to uh to get everything started i i reverted back to muscle memory and and went back to troubled listeners do you have an opinion as to uh which one you think is more effective or sounds better well i mean i think listeners sounds better because if you're just saying listener then it seems we have an audience of one. One, yeah. Well, <laughs> I did consider you know? that that that's uh, you know, that's a possibility, and and maybe sometimes it it has been down to an audience of one. Well, I guess the idea is that you know when when someone's listening, it's always an audience of one because it's uh you know the the person is only listening right there to it's on demand experience. You know, people aren't we don't go out live, so there's never a time when you know, everybody's listening to the show at the same time, but yeah, that's true. Well, I just, I, I just noticed it a few weeks ago and, right. and I just was curious on why, I, why would you change it up after a hundred and like a show? Right. Just change it up. Yeah. You know, you know just, uh, I know you're bored. Well, there in your house and you know, thinking about you know the black box and taking the black pill and stuff like that in your bunker you know uh, i know you i know you're bored but and these things come into your head because you really have nothing else going on oh. but uh, i just noticed it and i thought the troubled listeners or listener would probably notice it too and i'm sure right. they're out there and if they want to come let them comment on it. Right. I just thought I'd bring it out there to open the show. Yeah, no, that's good, man. I'm glad you noticed. I was wondering if anybody was going to comment on that. And, uh, it's caught my ear every time I, I listen to it myself, and I'm not sure how I felt about it. I just figured I'd, I'd give it a shot, you know, because... Uh, Again, you know, I'm while I do have my plate completely full, Manny. I, I would love to for you to come go through my week with me. It would be it would be so enlightening for you to to uh, to to see what goes into this. But but um, you know, I, I I was interested in in seeing well, you know, if there's if I can improve it by changing a word here or leaving an s off, or you know, let me let me see what the what uh, how how that how that. Why don't you out. try not using verbs for a whole show and huh. see how that works out? I, man, that that <laughs> seems like it would be really hard, Manny. Oh my god. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, let's let's uh, you know we're uh, enough navel gazing here about the show, Manny. Um, 
So we actually had a, a social engagement that you and I were both supposed to be at this, this past weekend, and, and I was there, and where were you? What are you talking about? Well, you know, you've uh, listeners uh, from a year or so ago might remember that uh, our wives were in a, a Zoom group during lockdown, and uh, the, they would get on once a week, and them and their... Oh, the group of yammering bitches. Well, that's you have referred to them as that before, man. It's not, not a term I would use, but... Uh, but uh, but yeah, so they had so they had a, a an in person social event at, at at one of these people's house at actually the the house of uh, former guest uh, 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 Carrie Grombacher who just won uh, won the award for uh, for Western Song of the Year. Um, so it was at his house and his his lovely wife he and and his wife were hosting and they had the whole group and the husbands and and you know your wife is part of the group and I thought well. So this will Manny and I will get to see each other, but alas, you uh, you avoided the whole situation. Yeah, well, why would I want to? There's certain people there, the group that I don't really care for, so I didn't go. Okay, all right. That answers your question. Sure, you know, it, it's it, not you. It's not you. Okay, well, uh, or your nice. wife. It's, that's, it's that's some. Nice. It was some other people in the group of the yammering bitches that I don't oh. really care for. <laughs> oh. So I, I, uh, oh. I decided not to show up. And also, I think uh, also there was some really good football games on that day. It was conference <laughs> final championship games that I were not. I was not going to miss. So mm. I, I decided to skip it to, to begin with. You know. Okay. I mean, well, who who has a who has a who has a who? And I don't know if all those people were were vaccinated. I don't know these people that well. Ooh. You know, were they going to ask for my card? Did they ask for your card when you came to the party? No, no, we were we were going on the the honor system. You know, we assumed that everybody there was being responsible, and uh, you know, they're all all pretty progressive folks. You know, so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and we were outside. Think. We were, we, we were, think, and yeah. we were in the backyard as well. So it was, uh, it was. Well, that know, backyard's like a five by eight cell, if you ask me. It's, it, it's not a huge backyard, but you know, we weren't breathing the same air. Is the the idea that? So anyway, it was fine. There were, it was not a super spreader event. We missed you. I was sorry that we didn't get, uh, you know, our in time fellowship, but uh, you know, alas, it, it. So people asked about me. Um, I can't remember anybody asking. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no one asked about me, Renee. I guarantee you nobody asked about me. I was wondering, knew. but but I, I, I think I knew ahead of time that you had already bowed out, so uh, so we weren't. No, I, uh, uh, the wife and I weren't going okay. to go. Okay. Right. The wife maybe, but I don't, know what, I don't know what her story is. I can't vouch for my wife what her excuse was. Okay. But, uh, you know, I wasn't going to go to that. All but, right. Uh, you know. All right well, I'm glad you had a good time. See, the thing I thought also, there's probably a lot of finger food there, wasn't there? Which, you know, during the pandemic, finger food is something to avoid, I would think. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. The, you know, I guess there were a few things that you picked up, you know, and, and uh, yeah, there was like yeah. a, some some quinoa cheese bites that um, one of the ladies God. had made. Which sound very uh, appetizing. I, I didn't have one. They, I was told that they were very tasty, but I, I didn't have one. I, I, uh, I had some, uh, some, <laughs> some chili over cornbread, and I, I did not, that was not finger food. I used a, a fork for that anyway moving on so how, how have you been otherwise manny well i'm very pissed off right now man really yeah for a change I just, 
Yeah, I'm really pissed off okay. for a change because I found out just in the last few days that um, Australia was uh, 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 t- said to be the drunkest country in the world. Hmm. Australia. Two years in a row now, they have determined that Australia is the drunkest country in the world. And that pisses me off because we've got to make America drunk again. (laughs) We've got to. We've got to make America drunk again. You know, we can't we can't be fucking second or third fiddle to Australia. (laughs) Well, I mean, those those Russians are pretty drunk, too, man. You know, we that. I don't know that. Well, they weren't the, even in the top five, the Russians. And we are not even in the top. Uh, we're like fifth. Okay. <laughs> you know, well, I know Australia I'm, apparently is the drunkest country in the world. Okay. Well, I know and you've it been doing your, me off. I, I know you've been doing your part, Manny. I'm not sure that there's any I more. I do than, my than, part every day. Right. Every right, day right. I do my part to make America drunk again. Right. Well, you know, we just got you a know. just got a postcard from Australia from a former guest. Yes, the the lovely Nicole Pavi uh, uh, sent a uh, Hanukkah card, and uh, so I don't know. I'll have to. I'm not sure she's. Uh, it's her fault, but it's probably you know. It's she's not. Well, I didn't get not, a card from her. Did she address it to me too, or just you? She did not, Manny. Well, she and I are old friends, Manny. You you only met her that one night on the podcast. So uh, did you really expect? She- a, What's that? She's a cello player? No, no, no. You're thinking of uh, Helen Gillet. No, no. This was uh, Nicole Pavi. She was a night nurse. Uh, she was a long time ago, way back in the podcast. Anyway, I, I digress. You were talking about Australia, just, uh, you know, free association. Well, no, I just, uh, you know, I just think uh, we've got to do better, America. Sure, sure. We've got to do better. And I think our guests realize that. To, but we've got to be better than I Australia. totally agree, Manny. <laughs> you know, and it, agree. yeah, and it, everyone always thinks that the Irish are the drunks, but it's That's a proven fa- it's a proven fact from medical research that the Irish aren't the drunks of the world; they're the, they're the most insane people in the world. The Irish, hmm. it's a fact. Okay. Um, so, so when people think they're going to stereotype. The is being drunk. It's not that they're drunk. It's that they're insane. Okay. You know. All right. Well, uh, they 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 are the Irish are being Irish. Myself, I can attest to uh, the fact that uh, they are uh, can can be wound a bit tight at, at times. Um, Manny, just, you're Irish. I didn't know you were Irish. I have have a good. I mean, uh, you know, I'm kind of a mongrel, but I have a good bit of Irish. The the uh, the Comans are actually Irish. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, in other news, you know, I saw uh, Bob Dole died. Did you see that, Manny? Bob Dole, yes, he's dead. Right, right. Well, you know, he's a guy who always held a pencil in his hand. He, yeah, he had he that, always had that pencil that, in his that hand. Pen or pencil? Yeah, yeah. He had had, uh, had that that uh, war wound. Was it a number two pencil? I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> I always thought it was a pen, Manny. I always thought it was an ink pen. Oh, really? But uh, I but thought it, it was a pencil. Yeah, maybe so. It's uh, you know we're getting getting mired in the details here. Um, the you know the shock for me was not that he died, but that he was still alive. The, and <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, uh, he was he was around for a long time. People that we think are dead that are still alive. Right, stay, right. You know, you know, you know who's still yeah. alive that you might think was dead was uh, is Marty Allen. 
Remember Marty, Marty Allen with the crazy comedian? hair? Well, he had the Jufro, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jufro, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like ninety eight, but he's still he's still uh, sharp, you know. <laughs> Is he still performing? I don't know how much he performs. I think, you know, uh, we might be able to get him on the podcast, actually. <laughs> He's working his way down. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I actually have a, a good story uh, uh, or th- that uh, a friend of mine that I went to school with told me. Um, this, this girl that I went from, like, elementary school all the way through, graduated from high school with her. And uh, her father was a, 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 a congressman, like a Republican congressman at one time and and she was telling me when she was uh you know like a late teenager or something this was years later that uh she had been out partying all night or something and and uh, her father woke her up and said hey you got to come to this luncheon this, this republican luncheon that i'm that i'm invited to and you have to come with me and she's like oh brother she really didn't want to go but she went and she said she got seated next to bob dole who was you know uh whatever he was senator congressman you know republican and she was seated next to him she didn't she was all hung over and didn't really know much about bob dole and and uh did he borrow her pen well no check it out so so she sits next to him and he introduces himself and he he would always shake hands with his left hand you know and and uh because he had that that pen in his right hand you know and 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 he he reaches out and shakes her hand with, and and she goes, "What is this? Some kind of Republican secret handshake or something?" <laughs> and, oh no! And he goes, he goes, "I was wounded in World War II." <laughs> She's like, "Oh, sorry." Oh. Anyway, oh, I thought you were going to say that she was uh, seated next to Marty Allen. Okay, well, that would have been a good twist if I the, just the way I, I introduced Marty Allen there at the that's uh, uh, that w- would have been a real well, uh, yeah. yeah yeah you know I remember Bob Dole he was just good good comedic uh, fodder in the in the nineties and stuff I, I didn't really know much about it. but he did wasn't he part of Gerald Ford's uh, campaign also in the seventies uh, he he, uh, he might have been when, when Ford tri- yeah when Ford tried to you know Ford was wasn't elected. He just became president because Nixon resigned. Right. And then Ford was president for two years, and he elected Dole as his vice president. And and uh, and uh, I remember they ran for uh, against Jimmy Carter in '76, and there was this great joke: uh, 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 name two lemons, Ford and Dole. You know, uh, that was a joke that Johnny Carson said. Uh, oh, okay. As Karnak. Oh, as Karnak. Right, 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 right. That was a that was a great, great character. You know, because Ford cars were horrible, and Dole, you know, they grow lemons. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> he was a good guy, I guess. You know, I, I don't have anything against him. No, no, I, no, no, no. He's uh, remember when he was running against uh, uh, Clinton? You know, was, uh, in the midst of the scandal, and he kept saying, "Where's the outrage? Where's the outrage, people?" And then. Uh, People are like, oh, we don't, we really don't care what he does in his private time. Anyway, maybe we should uh, get to our guest here because we've. Uh... Sure, you know, we can get to our guest. Right. right yes, right. he's exciting to me. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, we have a fantastic guest here. He's, he's, uh, you know, we've had a, a few people that are that are on the Mount Rushmore of New Orleans musicians, and 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 uh-huh. this guest is is yet another one that we're we're adding to our to our. Uh, to our, our great line. Too bad there are no mountains here in New Orleans. Well, no, no, we're gonna, we're yeah, we're we're still still scouting a location for it to uh, to put that up. 
but uh, he's a he's a, a virtuoso, a virtuoso modern sousaphone pioneer. He's a master of New Orleans sousaphone. He's a founding member of the Dirty Dozen Brass Band, also a member of a Treme Brass Band, and has his own Kirk Joseph's Backyard Groove Band, as well as uh, he's played with all kind of people, Luther Dickinson, Andrews Osborne, on and on and on. So we'll get to all that, but without further ado, the great Mr. Kirk Joseph. Welcome, Kirk. Hey, thank you so much, Renee, and hello to you, Manny. All right, Kirk. Welcome hey, to this show. Yeah, I was already in it, man. I really was enjoying y'all wind-up conversation. It was really <laughs> great. I was enjoying it, you know. Well, I'm, so, glad, thank you. I'm glad someone yeah. is, Kirk. Oh, um, uh, yeah, well, whoever misses, that's their problem. Right. Well, on. either the listeners or the literary. Yeah, there you go. Well, I said, whoever's listening. Right, right, right. Whoever, yeah. Right. Whoever's right. listening. Yeah, uh, you know, but I, I I've enjoyed, like I say, the the pre discussion before I, I joined the conversation. <laughs> okay. Well it's, it, it's, it's it, it just it puts me in a frame of mind like you were saying about Mount Rushmore. I really appreciate that compliment. I, I take that to the highest as being a, a New Orleanian true and true, you know, and uh I could imagine how many conversations go on about that too, you know? So, right. so you opened up a lot of doors in that conversation, Bob Dole and all of that. Oh, guys, you really had me <laughs> cracking over, you know, you know you talk about the finger food. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> as long well, as you don't turn red beans into finger food, I'm okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you can't, can't, can't do that, man. That, that wouldn't be a good move. Hey, hey, don't put don't pass anybody, Renee. Sure, sure. Yeah, look, in a pinch, man. We can, uh, you know, we do what we have to do, Kirk. Yeah, that's great, man. Well, well so, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate being honored to uh, to be part of this podcast, man. I'll, I'll, all right. Well, good night then. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm honored to be here. <laughs> You know, so, Kurt, you, you yes. grew up in New Orleans, and as Renee likes to say, uh, what neighborhood and what school did you go to? Well, I grew up here in the Seventh Ward. Uh, the Seventh Ward covers a lot of ground, though, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I can give you the boundaries. The boundaries is the riverfront, Esplanade, and Legion Fields is where they kind of merge together. Uh, and then uh, it winds up from Legion Fields. And the other bond, the same bondage, Legion Fields and Esplanade, going towards Lake Pontchartrain. Right. Okay. Right. And some people also call it the Gentilly area. Right. Oh, now, all right. Now, Kirk, yeah. um, you know, you you uh, you went to. I saw you went to to Bell Middle School. Now, wasn't it wasn't it uh, Bell Junior High School at the time? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Well, middle school. Junior right. high, we called it junior high. Right, right. That's what so, I recall. And yeah, and that was a school. Now, were you playing in the school band at at, at Bell? Because that's a, a a school that so many musicians came out of. Even you know, in in middle school, guys came out playing really good. I'm imagining that they had a, a great band program there. Yes, they did. That was one of the reasons why I chose to go there. Um, well, me, I actually started playing. You know, being from a musical family, I've always had instruments in my hands and up to my lips, you know, as growing up as a kid, being the son of a musician and the brother of uh, three other older musicians. Uh, so that's always been part of my world. But yeah, I actually started in elementary school playing snare drum. And, but, uh, you know, uh, my mom used to always take us to festivities and one of them was Mardi Gras. And so, uh, 
you know, uh, being a lover of music and having music in my veins, I knew it sounded good. I knew it made me felt good when I heard it. And Andrew J. Bell was one of those schools when they marched by. It made me feel good and wanted to become a part of that if I was able to as I got older. Okay. Yeah. I had a yeah. good good friend, uh, Noel Kendricks, went to uh, to. Yeah, Noel was there. He was he was he was underclassman to me, but he was there. All right, because because yeah. yeah, I wound up I wound up. Uh, uh, Noel was my age, and he and I played in a, in a band together, and then we went to Noka together as well. So. Okay, I didn't realize that. It's good to know that. That's why we all got to talk and find out things. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I love the connections. You know, people wouldn't think, oh, we're Nate Coleman knows Noel Kendricks from when they were in school together, but but we did. Yeah, yeah. Which school was that? At uh, NOCA? Um, well, that was where I, I met him at NOCA. We actually started playing in a band together before I was at NOCA. Had a little, okay. you know, high school jazz band that, that we were both in. Yeah. That's how, I, that's how yeah. I first met okay. Noel. But yeah. so, okay. so I knew, and, and he would tell me all the people that came out of there. So, because so, some of these, these, these band programs, you know, you have one great band director and they can turn out so many great students, you know. It, <laughs> Tell me about it. So so important, man. I have have these these yeah. guys that you know. A lot of them are kind of unsung. You know, people don't know the average uh, person yeah. doesn't know their name, but a million musicians know their names. You know, that's the truth, man, and that's the honest God truth. Really, who, who was he, the he band really director? The uh, my band director at Andrew J. Bell Junior High Middle School was Mr. Donald Richardson. All right, all right. Shout out to Mr. Donald Richardson, man. I'm sure there's a lot a lot of people going, oh yeah, 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 Mr. Richardson. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, very like like you were saying earlier, and like I was saying, very strong program, and a lot of great musicians went through that program. Right. Um, that's still playing today. Right. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, and, and I could, and I could imagine not to cut you off, but I could imagine just how many more would be active in the music industry or field uh, if they would have had some home background influence i mean you know right. trying to right keep them going you know because that, that there was great players and i run into them from time to time and i asked him are you still playing you know and they said nah i see you still have your horn he said yeah i said well pull it out man take it out and have some self-therapy you know and, and make yourself who you are and part of where you come from right you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Without. So, yeah. Without that encouragement. Yeah. It's. It's. Uh, it's yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's true. You know. And, I, and like I said, but me coming from a musical family, it was here. I had. You know. I, I didn't have to go far. Sure. Well, let's. So for me, for me, it was a blessing. You know. Well, let's talk about that because actually, your father's been mentioned on the on the uh, the podcast before. The first person to bring your father up was uh, was Craig Klein. We were talking about trombone okay. players, and he he. He named your father Frog Joseph and talked about what a great player he was. So, you know, for people that don't know, your your father was, uh, you know, played with all kind of people: Big Joe Turner, Dave Bartholomew yeah. Band, and yeah, Earl and, Turner, right? You know, and, uh, uh, Earl King, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Earl King, that's what I meant. To say, right, sorry. right. And then, uh, then the, Mil the Mills Brothers. Nice. Uh, yeah, most of a lot of people, man. That I'm still finding out to the day. Yeah, honestly, because my dad wasn't one to sit down and say, and what he did, who he did it with, you know. Uh huh. Um, and it was funny because uh, as the dozen started, they started traveling and doing those festivals overseas and around the world. Uh, he would pull me on the side and say, "Well, you know, you're going to meet so and so and so and so and so and so." <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, uh huh. What? <laughs> you know, and uh, 
I had no clue, you know, but, and everyone he mentioned, he, they said, oh, you frog son. And yeah. by the way, my dad's first name is actually Waldron. But uh-huh. They called him Frog because of the, the style of play he had with the with the rubber plunger on the trombone. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's why they called him Frog. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So you grew uh, up in that that milieu, and 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 uh, and and your brother Charles kind of kind of brought you yeah, in. My, and my brother, my brother Gerald as well, who's also one of the original with the uh, Olympia Brass Band. Okay. Yeah, he played trombone as well. Okay. Yeah. So, well, the Olympia Brass Band, you, you bring that up, that's good. Because uh, when I was a kid, um, you know, not living in that in the, the neighborhoods where they had brass bands, but when yeah, I would okay. see parades, I would see the Olympia Brass Band all the time, but not really any others. And, yeah. and yeah. so, for me, when I, I'm a couple of years younger than you, but uh, when the Dirty Dozen hit, uh, you know, we didn't have all the brass bands that that we have now. That was the. Right. It almost seemed like a, a, you know, a waning form. And the right. Dirty Dozen blew everybody's mind because not only did did they, you know, have all this energy, but yeah. you know, it, it 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 totally kind of revitalized the brass band scene because 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 uh, of all the innovation. You know, brought all this this new repertoire yeah. in. Y'all start were playing That's bebop true. and and yes. pop funk kind of stuff yes. and and yeah. and it you know it's like once like people couldn't really conceive of that till they saw you do it and then it was like a light that, went off it's like true. oh yeah no we could do that and then so now you have all these bands that you know all take their own little their their take on that individual right. take but it's right. to me to my mind it it all starts with with uh, the dirty dozen and and you know roger lewis i gotta go you know roger was a guest and i always saw you know like Roger and you is like the 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 heart of the sound of that band. Yeah, you know that's that's true because I guess at that time, you know, I mean the instruments that we played, you know, uh, baritone sax was kind of dying out from the rock and roll era. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so him to be doing he and actually me and Roger, he was actually playing tenor saxophone at first, but that and then. Uh, the fact of me having the will to want to be a part of such a, a, a project, uh, like I said, it started wanting to go to Andrew J. Bell, first of all, uh, being the son, I, hold on, I take it back. First of all, being the, the baby boy of a son of a musician and the brothers of musicians, wanting to be able to carry that torch. Right. That was part of my, I guess I should say, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, Your mission? Part of that, yeah, that pushed me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for the obligation. Right. You know, I felt the obligation to uphold uh, my family's name and also the music of New Orleans. Now, when you guys had that that kind of reaction, I mean, the first year what y'all were playing, uh, you know, in the neighborhoods, I know Jerry Brock brought y'all to Tipitina's and, and kind of, uh, you know, exposed you to, to you know, yeah. another part of the market. And yeah. and people were freaking out. Y'all must have been very pleased with the reactions, huh? Yeah, well, you know, um, like he, I, I got to bring it to you in this, in this fashion. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it was the Olympia Brass Band, you know, uh, that pretty much reigned. That was pretty much the most well-known band from the end of the 50s through the 60s into the 70s. They were the most popular band 
that people followed on, you know, like any given second line Sunday or, you know, or, or conventions that came in town, they had to have Olympia brands band there. But, you know, and the thing is, and, and a lot of people don't really understand is that they were part of another generation of music. Most of those guys in their age and their generation, they're related more to rock and roll. Okay. Okay. And I mean, but don't get me wrong. That's that generation. But don't forget, they had the generation before them that also lingered over it as well. So, in order to kind of keep that tradition of brass band music and the tradition of it, you have to somewhat pay honor to those older show songs, things like "I Found a New Baby." Or either just the, the religious side of it, of the like they say, jazz was born from the gospel. You know what I'm saying? So those things are all part of the genetics of brass band, you know. And so by that the time that they reigned, that's what they that's what they came up through. Right. So now, all right, here we come. Here we come. Mid seventy, well, seventies, going to the well, pretty much seventies, in the sixties, seventies. When I was a kid and got involved in music, okay. It was a folk era. Everything got funky. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you want to say, the meters or whoever else, it was funky. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so this was part of our genetics. This right. is what we heard on the radio. Well, I mean, as far as me anyway. Right. Because right? you mentioned Roger Lewis. I think Roger's, Roger's 80 years old now. Roger, none of this applies. Roger is above it all. Roger, uh, he he spans <laughs> the generations. He, he goes all yeah. the way back and he brings it all the way forward, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but see, but then that goes back to initially what I'm saying about how the tradition is passed on. Yes, yes, you know yes. From yes. the older song, because, you know I mean? I play with Olympia Brass Band. Mm-hmm. I play with the Tuxedo Brass Band. I play with the Onward Brass Band. All this was part of my tutelage uh-huh. growing up as a sousaphone player in New Orleans. And um, so these are songs that I have to learn in order to do the gig. And not only do the gig for me, it was also letting the older musicians know that I got you. Sure, you respect the form, and you and you've you've exactly. done your homework. You 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 exactly. know that you have a grounding yeah. in the form, so you can. Yeah. Well, I always say you got to know what the rules are, so you can break them. You know, so you know yeah, know how exactly. to do that. And yeah, you know, and that was important. I mean, because that keeps New Orleans music alive. Right, a right. Lot of the, I don't think a lot of the younger musicians really realize that and understand that, just as far as the music standpoint. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, now, and don't get me wrong, I was a kid too when I started. Yes. I, I kind of felt, why am I playing these old songs? You know what I'm saying? And, and that kind of made things go the way it was with the dozen, as far as the funky side, because mm-hmm. that was my generation. And I had that instrument that could, could bring that element to the street. What is a sousaphone? Yes, it's the ex- brass bass instrument of the brass ensemble. It's the lowest brass instrument of the, like you would say, trumpet, baritone horn, trombone, uh, bass horn. Well, explain to the troubled nation the difference between a sousaphone and a tuba. Well, tubas are usually mainly used for concert shells, amphitheaters, symphonic halls. Uh, which, you know, in most of the world, that's what they were doing. You got to think back to symphonies. Right. Um, But it's the, it's the, it, 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 
the uh, the tubing and all is is all wrapped around itself like a like a uh, baritone horn or something, and the horn sits yeah. in front of you. You hold it in your lap to play, right? So yeah, well, you have some you have some that's on that style, and you have some that also sits on your shoulder. If you think about the drum and bugle chord. Oh well, you but know, isn't that isn't that the the difference that the sousaphone, like uh, John Philip Sousa, uh, you know, reconfigured the tuba so that yes. so you could walk yes. with it, and and that's yes, the, that the was, th- yeah, and that the oncoming crowd can hear you as you come forward. You know what I'm saying? Right, because the tuba, yeah. the bell uh, faces up. So yeah, well, it, most most tubas, right, most right. tubas have that straight bell way. It goes like I say, it goes back to where you know most of was mostly mainly used. Broad, where you know, like you know, Broadville shows, right. you know, like I say, symphonic things where you had these these theaters that were acoustically built, and so the sound would bounce up to the top of the roof and come back down on the crowd, get diffused, and right? Where you would hear, it. yeah, you didn't have any amplification, remember, right? You know, so you know, John Philip Souser, you know, who was one of the major masters of the of marches and and and, and bands of that of that nature. He, I guess, he saw that vision. So, okay, my sound is going straight up in the air. No one's really hearing what I'm playing. So, he, I guess that's what that that's what uh, I guess inspired him to to design the Sousaphone. That's why it's called the Sousaphone after John Philip Sousa. Yes. Now, which is heavier, the tuba or the sousaphone? They all they all vary, man. They all vary. There's various various weights on all of them. You know. Um, what's like per- the heaviest what's the heaviest ah like i said it's it, it, it varies uh, just depends on I the mean, materials what, it's made of and all that yeah, kind of well, stuff I mean, huh? that depends on what what, what decade you, you have one from or there's an older made horn as much as much as more quality is better with the alloys in the metal uh-huh. than what you have more of today i mean just through my own experience you know what i'm saying um well just ballpark what's the weight <laughs> uh well Okay. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm a guy. I'm a little guy. Uh, I'm not going to play a tuba because it's too heavy for me. But you know, the, yeah, well, it's, the it's, nation it's, probably wants to know what's what's yeah. the weight. Yeah, what I mean, I, I got to re- I got to reflect on what you said about you being a small guy. When I got to high school, which is L.C. Fouché, the sousaphone, the sousaphone section leader, which was a senior, he was a real short guy, but he was a badass. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And back to saying that there was father glass on. See, that's another thing of how to how to horn develop over the years. But back to your question, the main question is this. Uh I mean, there's some Susan phones who eat 30, 40, 50 pounds, man. Right. Wow. You know, but like, but the, in reference to what we're talking about as far as weight, see, with the design of the Susan phone, it, it it lays on your, your shoulder. The tuba can have the same weight, but it will lay on your lap. And if you're trying mm. to, if you're trying to be mobile, with now, not, say if you're not standing, then if you're not sitting down with the tuba, you got to stand up with it with a harness on. Yeah, that's no rigorous. It's, it's ridiculous. You know yeah, more, yeah, yeah. It's, yes, so it's, it's putting yeah. pressure like on your groin, your balls, while right, <laughs> you're marching and why, stuff like why, that. That's why the girls love sousaphone players, bro. Okay, because right. they got the they, they just don't <laughs> hang. They hang, right? You know, they, they hang. Bro. You got look. Yeah. You got to 
You got to pinhole some kind of way. You got to put a snake down there to get all that grit out of it. Jokingly speaking, you know, just jokingly, just playing. Sure, 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 sure. Of course. Well, so so getting back to to uh, so Dirty Dozen is it's the early '80s. uh, You know, you and Roger. Now Roger was on the show, and he was saying that that you and he would practice together all the time he said sometimes every day sometimes so so much that you would wind up staying by his house well he will stay by my house okay all right yeah by my dad my mom and dad's house where i'm, I'm residing now right here on legion fields and gershon wall oh okay uh this is the location uh, this is central uh yeah i spent a lot a lot of times actually it was my brother charles had a lot to do with that you know um but uh, but yeah, he and I spent a lot of time, and I'm thankful to the time we spent because I've learned so much from him, you know? Right. Um, musically, and and actually, he's one of the ones that kind of pushed me to have a more of a stronger endurance, you know, on, on, on my horn. So like, you can't stop playing. I'm like, what? What do you mean I can't stop playing? You stopping? So what? You don't <laughs> stop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, Things like that. It was, in, you know, but but it, it all came back also to my dad as far as what we're talking about is that my dad said, okay, well, son, as a player, who are you? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, like you said, during my time, and, and I got to iterate on it this way, uh, at the time I came alone in uh, like 70, 74, 75 is when I started actually playing the sousaphone. Cause I played snare drum before that. Um, there weren't that many sousaphone players, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was there was only a handful, and um, so I, to me, like I believe in God, guys, and you know that's just who I am, and I hope whoever else does too. But I guess it was a God sent thing that I was put kind of pushed into that position um, because my. Uh, as I got into my junior high school band, I didn't really know what instrument I wanted to play. You know, mm-hmm. I thought about playing saxophone, thought about playing bella, and the band director, Mr. Donna Richardson, said, well, you make the band faster, which is that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get in the band. He said, you make the band faster by playing the bass horns, the sousaphone. So I came home and mentioned to my dad, and my dad like, yeah, well, you know something? You should do that because you can make you some money while you're in school. And about a month later, I'm doing my first gig at the age of 13. <laughs> nice. You know, nice. but but in, in conjunction with what I'm saying is that because you had, at that time, uh, we had lost a, a sousaphone player that played the Olympic Brass Band. I don't know his first name, but I knew his last name. And all I knew him about was Mr. Brown. Mm. Okay. He was the sousaphone player with the Olympic Brass Band. And you had Alan Jaffe beside him, you mm-hmm. know, the guy that started Preservation Hall. Right. And they had a double sousaphone thing. But the Tuxedo Brass Band, you had Mr. Jerry Green. Okay. And also sometime Nicholas Payton dad, Mr. Walter Walter Payton. Walter Payton, I was about to say. He yeah. was my teacher. That was Walter Payton yeah, was my first I bass think, teacher. Oh, oh, yeah, all those guys were, was in their 30s and 40s by the time I came along. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if that old, but they were much older than I. I'm, I'm a teenager. So, you know, uh, so back to the, the moral of it. And so uh, 
I guess it was Mitt, because they only had, it was me. You had a guy by the name of Mark Smith that played, uh, used to play a little bit with Doc Pauline. And then Doc Pauline had one or two of his sons play Suicide as well. Uh, they were uptown. Um, you had one other little guy that went to John McDonald. His name was Keith. I can't remember his last name. He was a good player. Yeah. But he didn't pursue, you know, mm. like I said, it goes back to I said earlier about some families having it in their blood. And if you had that 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 push from the family, you probably continue. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. But he right. was one that didn't. So it was me, Mark, and Doc Pauline's sons. Um at at my age that mm-hmm. was still carrying the Superphone behind Tuba Fat, which is Anthony Lacey, Big Al Carson, uh Mr. Jerry Green, uh Walter Payton, um uh, uh, uh Alan Jaffe. Uh, who else? And then at one point in time, a guy by the name of Eggie Smith, because uh, mm-hmm. he was he had, he stepped away from this home, but he came finally came because he actually took Tuba Fat Place with the Olympic Brass Man. Okay. So to say all that was that's how that transitioned. You know what I'm saying? Um, that because I was still in. Uh, Olympia had like two or three bands. One traveling in the world. One traveling in the country. And then they had somebody to maintain the things here. Right. So I'm still in school. So I wound up fitting into that slot. Nice. You know what I'm nice. Which was a blessing to me because I got to learn. Because actually my first brass band was the Majestic Brass Band, where I learned to play a lot of the church hymns, you know, and we got a little funky, but it was mainly, it was mainly focused on the church hymns. And a lot of those old show, show songs, you know what I'm saying? Okay. And so that was part of my learning, you know. And right. Then it, Foundation yeah. to to go out and and, yeah. and, and bring yeah, it to the world. A, well, yeah, which is important because that still connected to the rest of the world of who knew brass band, right? You know, because I mean, it kind of skip ahead just a little bit because once the dozen got started doing, they were doing, and when we first went to Europe, I was really freaking out because yeah. I didn't think that they were going to relate to what we were doing. That was something that was in me <laughs> until I got there and saw that the world was starving to more. Right. You know? Right. Well, stop but, right there. Cause, cause Kirk, uh, you may not know this, but, uh, in the, in the trouble men podcast, we always, uh, take a little break in the, in the middle to, uh, to refresh our cocktails. Yeah. yeah I'm definitely, I'm resting on refresh my cocktail. So Manny, uh, <laughs> you want to, you want to, yeah, Kurt, uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, the troubled listener or listeners there you go. know what to do. Uh, they they know the drill. So as we like to say, uh, we'll be right back. Be right back, guys.
And we're back. Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coleman. Back with our guest, Mr. Kirk Joseph. Now, Kirk. Hello, world. Hello, yes. world. We've uh, we've had a, a a sponsor for a while, but uh, now now they're gone, and we're back to our original sponsor, which is Loose Change. And, okay, beautiful. And uh, Loose Change is just uh, you know change you have laying around your house or uh, your bank account or where, man, your daughter's room, perhaps. Oh God! Yeah, there's lots of loose change. You go by the homeless people. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Throw it at them. They have loose change. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're they're spare changing all day long. I'm, now I'm I'm not reaching out to the homeless community because I'm not sure how many are listening to podcasts. But you know, maybe maybe some. So you know, well, the uh, the money spends the same no matter where it comes from. So I see a lot of homeless with cell phones. You're right. You're right. If you, yeah, if you're homeless, that's that's about maybe. You know, you ever notice that it's, it's like a lifeline. Yeah, you got to have a cell phone if you're homeless. They get them free through some organizations. You know, they got to have them. Right. The uh, government. Right. Yeah, the government right. well, gives them, either it's the Fed or the local governments, give them cell phones. And I mean, most of them are insane, so I don't know who they're calling. You've got to be able to track them down some kind of way. Okay. Yeah, I guess and, so. And maybe yeah. they're listening exactly. to the Troubled Men podcast. And uh, Well, you know, maybe they're, the government needs body parts. I have no idea. All of these are crashed. All of these are possibilities for sure. <laughs> human human yeah. crash test dummies. Oh brother! Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Well, well so so uh, anyway, uh, we're we're it's it's our our weekly appeal to uh, to support the podcast. You know, we have the uh, the PayPal link there you know you can send your your loose change uh to us through the the paypal link it's uh paypal.me slash troubled men podcast and we have the uh, patreon page we have uh several uh, uh patrons who are supporting us week in and week out and we we salute them for sure we do appreciate that and we have a couple of shout outs uh this week uh one to a longtime listener bill pichette and uh and longtime listener and former guest arnie scog both uh supported the podcast this week and we do appreciate that and uh you know uh, arnie arnie scog yeah. arnie's a good guy he's yeah. a great guy so he is, seems like a guy that would have a bow and arrow he might <laughs> he's, he's over there in norway he might have a bow and arrow and a crossbow man yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah he's a good guy he's definitely got some viking stock in him that's for sure man he's uh yeah 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 yes yes uh yes um so uh yes and for free you can uh, follow us on uh, facebook instagram twitter and uh, uh subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and uh rate us give us a five-star review and uh that does help and tell your friends about the uh, troubled men podcast anyway Back to our great guest, Mr. Kirk Joseph. So just when we left you, we were we were discussing uh, you know the Dirty Dozen Brass Band. You've already with the just just before you even make a record, you're revolutionizing the form. So the first couple of records come out, and y'all are out, uh, you know, making a huge splash worldwide. And and you have uh, admirers coming around. Uh, Elvis Costello, I saw is is uh, is quoted in in option magazine talking about you singing your praises to tom waits that that's uh you know talk about it you know coming from from new orleans uh, neighborhood tradition and right. 
and uh, you know people hadn't heard anything. So you were talking about how uh, in in Europe you weren't sure how people were were, were going to receive it, and yeah. you were a little bit skeptical. But yeah, I was personally, I was really was. You know, I really was because I mean we had you know, and a lot of times when you you reach your audience at home is usually a good thing. But then I thought about it. Like they always say, New Orleans is another kind of place. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that was the big that was the big challenge was to. Uh, Don't you think Europeans, like the English and the French, are more hip to what's going on here in America than the Americans are at a time? Well, I mean, my own my own my own thought on this is. I don't know, man. I mean, as an American myself, you know, uh, and I try not to be on the same matrix as it because you can get caught up. It's like we always looking for a change. You know what I'm saying? Instead of just embracing it as it is and, and latching loose to it. Change, bro. Looking for loose change. Yeah, looking for loose change, however it is, to make a phone call, to pay your cell phone bill. You can't find it. You can't find any more phone boots. No. You know? yeah. So, you know, and this is what I'm saying. And so uh, it's interesting. It really is. And I guess it goes back to the industry itself, the way they manage things, you know what I'm saying, that uh, serves you and then throws you away. You know what I'm saying? Right. Once they figure, okay, we over that, we over that fat, going to the next one. Whether whether it may be, you know, somebody pantomiming, you know, not really singing. Yes. As long as they have a look, you know, let's make money off of that. Uh, somebody got a nice hook with some rap. Let's do that. Let's take the instruments out of the band and just make it a DJ. You know what I'm saying? Now, don't get me wrong. All that's cool. But let's not forget what really makes it what it is. You know what I'm saying? That's that's one of my main concerns uh, in, in conjunction to just being a music lover, being a child of a musician, and, and earning my living over the last 40 some years as a musician that I've seen. Um, uh, why not utilize everything we have? You know, why I don't, why can't I turn on my radio station here in New Orleans? And hear some music from Honduras. You know, if I want to turn it to, want to tune it to Honduras, I should be able to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, or hear some Japanese stuff. Let me tune into it. Uh, and, but I've had this conversation with people before. And, and the thing is, they don't want you to be too intellectual. Okay. And I guess that's why jazz is dying even more and more and more because listen to jazz. You have to have an intellectual thought process of understanding what this person is presenting, presenting to you through its instrument and not through lyrics. Right. Uh, well, let me ask you a question. Let me interrupt you right here. Let me ask you a question. Let's go back. You're a young kid, 12, 13 years old. You're in junior high. You're going to high school. Right. All right. You pick up the instrument. But right. what 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 music are you listening to? Are you listening to to yeah. uh Earth, yeah. Earth Wind and Fire, Stevie Wonder, Ramones. Exactly. What are you listening to? You're listening yeah, to everything. See. Yeah, but see, there it goes. My element, my environment. As a kid, as a child, my mom played a lot of recordings that my dad was on. Uh -huh. she, played a, she played a lot of recordings that his friends was on. 
when they had company over, they played that kind of music from different generations. So as a child in my surroundings, I got to hear all of this. Mm. But like you said, at the same time, my generation, Earth, Wind, and Fire, was funky. Yeah. So this is kind of what brought brought the element. If we go back to we talk about the dozen. Well, first of all, with the European, we get back to in a second. That's what made the Dirty Dozen what it was. And I got to say this, and it has a lot to do with my brother Charles. You know, he's the one that brought us all together. Hmm. It's the honest God truth. Okay. I have no reason to put my older brother that would give me noogies and kick me out and all that stuff to give him props. If you understand <laughs> what I'm saying. Sure. You know what I'm saying? As a baby boy. You know, it's my brother. But this is what I what happened. But he allowed the fact of all our all the mixtures of our generation to come together and to present it on the street, which became not only from the street to the world as in a brass band setting, which many people never thought could be possible. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's the whole thing about the dozen that we added all our elements of our generational learnings encounters uh, love for the music and things of that nature together back to your question about the europeans yeah they you know but it took us first it took us first to acknowledge what we had here mm -hmm. you know we did do that because without that it would have never gotten across the water right okay now yeah they tend to hold on to things a little bit longer but that goes back to my experiences as far as going to New York City at the age of 21 and learning that there's a, a one liter salt drink and they don't sell that in New Orleans. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? The market. What they present to people. And back to Manny's thing, yeah, I grew up listening to Earth with a Fire, uh, Cool in the Game, and you know, all those funk bands and the meters. And I didn't even know the meters was from New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's sure. how bad it was for me. I didn't even know. Sure. Well, we we hear music and and you think, oh, that's it's so good. That's got to be uh, everywhere. Everybody's got to be here. And then you don't realize what in I, New Orleans, thought. it's 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 yeah. uh, that might just yeah. be right in in New Orleans. And that you know, because we are so so regional and so insular in a way, like we really don't care what's going on outside of New Orleans in many that's cases. True. You know, and and that's and, true. But now you know, to me, as I got older and got more into music, and I started understanding a little bit better. Okay, why why I gotta wait? Why I gotta wait just here in the city on a, on a commercial radio station? Why I gotta wait to Mardi Gras to hear Ed Pockywit? You know what I'm saying? I mean things of that nature. To me, to, to me, you know, it, it's it's not it's not when you go to New Orleans. I'm going to see the Mardi Gras. Okay, Mardi Gras song if that's what you want to say. Mm -hmm. But Ed Pockywit. That ain't totally got nothing to do with just Mardi Gras. That's just New Orleans, period. Sure, sure. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, uh, and, uh, you know, like, go back to what Manny was saying, y'all was saying this, uh, like the Europeans and, and, and the Americans, just like here in New Orleans, people from here take it for granted. What you think you have an abundance of, or you have an abundance of, you, 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 oh, I can always go see that. You know, oh, I'll catch you next week. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. And it's not like that uh, everywhere. And yeah, you 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 may not be able to see it forever. Yeah, certainly we've we've lost yeah. we've lost some giants. You know, well I want to get into so 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 the dirty dozen, you know, makes a, a splash and and you guys wind up kind of falling into the 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 jam band scene a little bit, or, or maybe to a great degree, you know, which is kind of unlikely, but I understand it. You know, you guys are so rocking, and and it is very improvisational. But that must have been a little bit of a different uh, milieu for for you guys to find yourselves in, huh? Yeah, well, I'm gonna say it like this: We were jamming before you even had jam band. You know what I'm saying? If you came to the Glass House or to any one of them clubs we played. We, I think we might have been the first brass band in the city of New Orleans or maybe around the world to have uh, every night of the week had a brass band gig at a nightclub throughout the city, in different parts of the city, okay? And, you know, we'll play a song, but then after we play the song, solos, we jamming. Sure. We weren't just, we weren't, we weren't just staying on, oh, boom, boom, boom. Um, no, if I heard Roger gonna do me, leave it, do I would go boom, 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 boom. So I'm gonna jam with it because that's what the element of what we was feeling, and that's the essence of New Orleans music that I feel to believe that that grows on you when when you allow it. You know what I'm saying? Right. When you allow it, I, mean, I did a gig in freaking in Las Vegas for a month, and coming from New Orleans, I never looked at Las Vegas as a party city. I'm sorry, people from Vegas, y'all cool and all that, but a party city is a New Orleans city. That's the real party in this country and a lot around, around a lot around the world as well. But people that would go there, they would look at us like, "What are we doing?" You know what I'm saying? Hey, we playing music that's is listenable, is danceable, but because you didn't hear it on your radio station, you don't interact. You feel if you be if you get if you get caught dancing to this, your friends might ask you what's wrong with you. <laughs> well, so I want to talk about uh, you know being on this this huge world stage is uh, yeah. a great opportunity for for individuals in the band. Now, like uh, uh, Terrence Higgins was was uh, was on the podcast and he talked about how that was one, an important part of his career development was having that that uh big stage of of being there with the with the dirty dozen brass band and so many people got to hear him and i know yeah, for, for yeah. you you were immediately uh identified as as a as a star um, even a, among a, a a band of stars and uh you know you were you were singled out for for your your innovative approach to the to the instrument and and so you you know, you, you uh, individually have have gone on and you know played on a lot of people's records. Uh, just in, yeah, in, where you God. Hey, don't don't forget there was times we played with the Equalizers too, brother. Oh sure, we sure. Right along, we played right alongside each other from time to time. Oh absolutely, so, yeah. absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah, we've been running yeah. the same circles forever, man. But uh, yeah, yeah. Then like uh, you know, I know you work with uh, with John Cleary, you know, uh, another yeah. guy that you wouldn't think, uh, you know, piano player, and uh, you know has has this this whole thing New Orleans style, but you know you put the yeah. tuba in there, or, or or you know put Kirk Joseph on the sousaphone, and yeah. now it becomes a whole different thing, man. Yeah, well, like I said, I, I feel to believe I'm really, I know I'm blessed. I've been blessed to be able to do what I've done. And so far to do what I'm doing. Uh, but, you know, uh, like I said, it goes back to what my dad said. 
Now he said, well, son, who are you? You know, you're going to you're gonna play like somebody else the rest of your life, or you're going to find yourself and do what you can do. And so that motivated me. And, right. and one of my things, and it goes back to earlier days of the dozen, which was kind of transcending the music, was that, you know, in, in my school days, in the first time period, we used to have live bands, you know, um, during the uh, mid to 70s. Early to mid 70s, we had live bands that would play top 40 songs. And a lot of those songs were songs that we played in the marching band in, in, in school around here. And so I'm at a school dance and uh, I'm listening to the bass player. And he was playing this song by one of those, one of those groups, Manny, Ohio Players, which at that time was skin tight. And so the, the bass line went dope. Anyway, so on on. Classic. So I'm like, okay, cool. Well, all right. He's playing that, and that's the same thing I'm playing in the marching band. Mm-hmm. So my mind went, okay, why can't he be a sousaphone player up there? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. That, that's what motivated me to not only, I guess, challenge myself, but also enlighten the rest of the world and humanity of stop just thinking normal. Stop looking at things as you see it, because it could be more beyond what you see. So I'm saying right. that was part of my thing to bring it attention to this instrument. Right. I don't know if anybody else anywhere else did it. I don't know. Well, they, I, they did great power to you. I think that after you, people thing. probably saw like, oh, uh, I think there's a lot of people that 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 uh, you know around the world that are that are emulating you, Kirk. You know, seeing yeah. oh, well, look I, at the I, like I said, I'm, I'm blessed to hear that, and I, uh, and I take the I take the compliment to heart. But that's what it was about. It was about enlightening people to just enlighten themselves beyond what you see or what you hear. Because a lot of a lot of my things, and let me get back to the main part of this was. One of my main things was to do a major concert and don't be on stage and just come out at the end, you know, and like, yeah, right. So I'm saying just to enlighten you, don't take it at a skin value. Don't take it at its religious value. Don't take it because I'm drunk. We did fifth drunk in country. Don't do that. Take it for what it is and enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? And utilize it for the best. And not for the worst. Stop, stop knocking it down because you don't have it in your neighborhood. Embrace it and bring it to your neighborhood. Or either come to my neighborhood and enjoy it with us. You know. And so those the, those are those are the things that was instilled in me through my God and my family and all my friends, even such as yourself, uh, to make me go forward to have had encounters with people like. Like you say, Albus Costello, Manhattan Transfer, Dizzy Gillespie, uh, or Blakey, uh, Branford Marcellus, uh, Howard Johnson, uh, Clark Terry, uh, James Moody, B.B. Uh, King, you know, yeah. and the list goes on and on. Right. And I'm not saying this to be bragging. I'm saying this for those who may need those names to relate. Right, right, and to go co- to go look up, uh, you know, where where all that well, happened, where up, those those not, conjunctions even were. If you can't find it, even if you can't find it, open your mind, open your open up your listening abilities, open your mind to okay, I see a tree there. Dissect the morning what it is, 
Okay, it's not only a tree there. All right, it bears fruit. Okay, it doesn't bear fruit, but it's giving me shade. Okay, it's not only giving me shade. All these things. Take these things and use them for the better. You know? I mean, this is that's me as a person. That's all that's what music is. Yes. It's of the heart. Music is of the heart. And that's what I give with every performance of my heart. But whoever I'm playing with, into okay. the last breath. That's what I would do. That's beautiful. It's beautiful, Kirk. Well, uh, man, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the well, podcast. Let me ask you something before we sign off, Kurt. Yes, have sir. you heard of a band called Brass Against? No, I haven't. <laughs> oh, they're a, a a New York band, nothing okay. but a bunch of brass players, and they it's a brass band like your brass bands, and but they. Uh, they uh, they do uh, uh, covers of classic rock songs like That's brass version, yeah, brass versions of like yeah. Stairway to Heaven, yeah. and ACDC, yeah. and yeah. all that. But yeah. uh, you should check them out because one of their big moves is that they have a lead singer, this female girl. She likes to piss on stage. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. During live acts, she pisses on people during the show. Uh, you know, I kind of seen something about that. I don't know if that was the same thing. I saw something recently posted. That was it. Uh, That's what you saw. Yeah. It's that a, was it? It's a big scandal. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. she's wow. really hot, too, man. She's wow. hot. Uh, what you mean? Oh, piss is hot? Or yeah, hot? yeah. Hotter. She's, well, yeah. Uh, hotter. Both, hot, I'm sure. Less hot since yeah, she, see, since she pissed now, on stage. Not, not to cut you off to what you say you know that's i mean that's cool that's that's what you do see but then it all goes back to marketing and it's a gimmick but for me it's all about the music yes thank you, you know, it's all <laughs> thank about you, the, I, I can say this bro there was shit that we used to do back in the game that <laughs> look they had women coming to every goddamn show to get some dirty dozens <laughs> You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> and I ain't going to go into particulars because I might get some people in trouble. Sure. <laughs> All right? So, so that pissing on stage shit, we've been there, dog. Okay. All right. So, We will be on that. So you were shitting on stage. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. <laughs> you have all kinds of encounters. But I tell you, if you'd have saw some of that, oh, my boy, oh, my God. Oh, dude. I don't know. We probably would have got banned from the world. Uh, <laughs> that was, thankful that was because before. we had a name to live up to right dirty that's dozen yeah well that's yes. what i was thinking yes. yeah you guys were dirty beyond belief man yeah, but not not only dirty but we, had, we were dirty with the music to bring this somewhere else and then we had to get dirty let go down nasty and funky and got to play with women that we playing and all that stuff we did it Oh, dude! Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could. I could. And there was probably lots of diapers too. <laughs> I don't know about no diapers, bro. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think adult depends without at that time. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, well, the podcast has really taken a turn here at the end, but uh, I'm glad. I'm glad we're able that. to. Oh no, 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 no! no that was. Let me have to answer to what he was saying. Oh no! Well, yeah. Um, no, no. We, it's selling a gimmick. And they probably sound good too. And that's oh well, they're too. they're they're like they're a big hit, man. They've they've had a few albums out, and they play a lot of big festivals. And you know, you know, it is what it is. But I just yeah. I didn't know if you had heard of them or not. No, Kurt, I haven't. But like I said, it's funny you say that because 
like I said, I was looking at something on social media about a week ago, man. That was and it. I'm, yeah. I'm like, is she really squatting this dude's face? Yep. That's yeah, it. That's she it. was. Yeah. You know? But like, I I can remember there was one night. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna take it too long. We had got tired of just practicing in, in my mother and father's den by the house. So we got in our vehicles. We went to various nightclubs throughout the city. And there was a place called Freeman O'Yeah's Lounge on Claiborne and, and Net Street, right here in the Seven Ward, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's no longer, the building is no longer there. But whoever here this from New Orleans or been here, if you ever catch the Claiborne, if you're on Claiborne and you're going to catch the interstate to go west or uptown, it's right there to your right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> we went there. One of the guys in the band knew the owner. So we went there and asked him, could we play for the, cl- for the club and get exposed? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Right. Okay, so we go there. So the guy said, okay, that's cool. But right now I got these strippers on that's making my money. So if y'all come back, Cool, we're going to try that. Okay, cool. So we went to a place called Tyler's Beer Garden where James Rivers, right. he let us play on his on his break. We went to Chipotina's, we went there. I can't remember who was playing. The does play on the break. So then we came back downtown. And we went yeah. back to Freeman O'Yeah's Lounge where the strippers were finished. Okay. Back to by us revolutionizing the music, we were playing music that was still on the jukebox. So a lot of your common dancers could dance to the song because they, they knew it because they heard it. Right. So the strippers came out. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, uh, do you have mouthpieces <laughs> all in kind all kind of shit? Oh, oh man. Oh man. Oh man. I'm gonna tell you, bro. I'm gonna tell you, I'll never forget that to the to the day I die. Mouthpieces. You had one guy on the floor. He was, he was, she was sitting in his face and he said, hold on, my turn. And she turned over. Oh, man. Oh, oh, oh bro. Hey. See that shit you saw you talking about? That ain't yeah. got shit to do. That ain't got nothing on what that went on that night. Uh, uh, <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys earned your name, Dirty do. Dozen, man. That, yeah, that can't, that, can't even, that can't even touch it. <laughs> okay. That's that's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. You know, like I said, it got the word got out. So before you know it, they got women coming. And they come stand in front of the band and like, I'm ready. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Encore. Encore. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. man. We'll definitely yeah. can't top that one, Kirk. Well, thank you so much for coming <laughs> yeah. on the podcast, Kirk. It's been such a treat oh. to have you, man. Thanks for having me, Renee, and, and, and you, Manning. Uh, it's a pleasure meeting you. I hope All to get right. to meet you in person someday. Oh, yeah. Oh. I really enjoy what y'all are doing. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's really informative, you know. Yeah. All uh, right. To the industry and to music and to the lives of the musicians. That are and to the listener out there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> listener yeah. or listeners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if you're by yourself, you're a listener. If you're with the group, it's the listeners. And together yeah. we are the Troubled Nation. And there we go. In the yeah. Troubled Nation. Loose change. Yes, loose change. And, and in the Troubled Nation, we always like to say trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Good night. Good night. Good night, guys. 
love enhanced by the sides He's a wicked man and they're yours to cut out the kid And you can dress them up baby Let us try to 